Romans chapter 2 this morning, we're going to get into our scriptures. The, the title of my message this morning is Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime. Uh, the reason Optimus Prime is we're in the middle of a series here called Success. What is it? How do we get there? Uh, biblical success, not just worldly success, but success in God's eyes, or you could say success that transcends this time on earth. Each one of us will stand before God and, and we'll, we'll give an account for our life and then we'll enter into eternity. And you can have a life in such a way that you're not just successful here, but actually once you stand before God, he says, well done, thy good and faithful service. Enter into the rest of the Lord and you go into the pearly gates, right? The city of God and your life here, success can transcend and, and affect your life there. And we've seen lots of different things that we've looked at the areas of success and avenues of success. So we've looked at uh, different parts of your life that, that you can be successful, that God wants you to be successful. And, and we've looked at different avenues or different ways of success. In other words, you could say it like this. Success is not one thing. It's a culmination of things. Success isn't just one thing because you can be successful as a husband uh, and be a, a bad money manager or you can be great with money or be horrible with your, with your family. So success in life is not just one thing, it's a culmination of a lot of areas and then also there's different avenues to get to success, right? We saw success comes through wisdom and that just means, God, I don't know how to be a good parent. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be very good with money. I don't know how to operate in a church. God give me wisdom. And Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says that, that wisdom brings success. Jesus said that if you'll be faithful with little things, be faithful with money, be faithful with another man's, then you'll be successful. He'll give you that which is your own. He'll make you a ruler over a bunch of things. So success comes through faithfulness. Success comes through just hard work. I mean, I mean we spent a whole Sunday just talking about working your butt off. Come on, anybody that's done anything great, if you want to have a great marriage, be prepared to work on it. And, and you're just going to have to. Jeremy said amen. He just got married. <laughs> amen. If you want to be a great parent or great in business, whatever, whatever endeavor you want to be great in, be prepared to, to stick it out. And be prepared to, to work hard. The Bible says a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands tendeth to poverty. In other words, if you're experiencing poverty in any area, you just sometimes you just got to bow up and get it. We don't know what that means. It's a good southern vernacular right there. <laughs> Compliments of my daddy. Just bow up and get it. I'm tired. Just bow up and get it. Maybe you didn't hear me. I'm tired. <laughs> just bow up and get it, right? So some, the success is going to have to come through hard work. My wife last week taught on uh, success through submission. Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And all the things that are awesome about Psalms 91, but that comes through coming under the uh, Lordship of Jesus. In other words, lots of people like Jesus the Savior, but he says if you want success, you can't just take Jesus as your ticket into heaven. You've got to come under the Lordship, submit yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due season. In other words, God God has a season for you and he wants to bring you to a, a good why. The Bible actually says he'll bring you to a wealthy place. How many of y'all like wealthy? He says, I'll bring you to a wealthy place in your season, but you got to come under the Lordship. Say, I'll give you everything I got. I mean, I don't think that's easy. No, it's not always easy. 
You say, God, I'll give you everything that I've got. So I've been looking at these past few weeks, success in your, in your mind, in your brain, success in your thought life, because you can have success on the outside, but if mentally you're tormented or you have anxiety, fear, confusion, depression, suicidal thoughts, you can smile on the outside and on the inside you aren't successful. And we, we see people many times uh, in life that look like they've got it all together, but mentally they're tormented and uh, they aren't doing as good as they appear. But I, I want you to know Jesus didn't just die uh, for us to go to heaven. He died for our spirit, our soul, and our body, right? He took care of on the cross. He took care of your spirit. And, and through his teaching and, and listening and learning from him, he helps us with our soul or our mind, our emotions, our intellect. He helps us up here. And then he also helps us in our body. The Bible says, by Jesus' stripes, we were healed man good news right there so jesus did a lot so i'm, I'm gonna finish or i'm gonna uh, keep moving forward with success in your thoughts and we're gonna start in romans chapter 12 verse 2 uh the new king james version says be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good acceptable and perfect will of god be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of what? Your mind. In other words, God says, I want to transform your life. I want to do something radical in you. The translation that you have in your, in your bulletin there says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How's he going to do it? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. One of the number one problems or hangups that, that Christians have is, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know if I'm hearing his voice or if I'm not hearing his voice. How can, how can I know what God wants me to do? Well, he says right here, he says, God wants to make you a new person, change the way you think, and then you'll know the will of God. So I want to look at or I want to talk about this transformation that God wants to do. And he doesn't want to do it just in your body or your conduct. He says, I want to transform you starting from these eight inches right here in your, in your brain. God wants to do brain surgery on you and I. And he calls it, he says, it's a transformation. How many of you had transformers when you was a kid? Oh, yeah. Did I ever? Yes, I did. We have transformers now, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to introduce them to my kids. Because how many of y'all seen the transformers? The ladies on there ain't hardly got any clothes on, and she's acting like she's a mechanic. <laughs> been all over the car, don't have no clothes on. Noble wants to watch transformers because some of his other friends get to watch transformers, and I can't let him watch transformers because we done crossed the line. It's a... Uh, some of the stuff they got in these movies these days, are, and he's like nine. I said, so so he has to watch the cartoon version, which is that's all right because that's what I grew up on. I mean, I grew up on that's the verse. Put put my transformer up there. 
I grew up on the, the, the not the digitally remastered. That's the one I grew up on right there. That was the good one, right? He was wholesome. I grew up on the pure transformers, none of this stuff we got now. Uh, and I remember you would take a, a, a car or I had an airplane or it was some mode of transportation and with just a, a click, a turn, a twist, uh, a move, all of a sudden that mode of transfer, uh, transportation would transform and totally turn into something that was awesome. How many of y'all remember that? You'd be riding the car, girls. Y'all just forget it, girls. Uh, talking to the men right now. Uh, some of you girls are looking at me like, is that a makeup? <laughs> no. It's not a makeup. This is an awesome automobile that you would turn, twist, flip, and all of a sudden it would turn into something that was totally different than what it was before. I mean, I remember the theme song. Transformers, more than meets the eye. Come on, March. Transformers, robot. There you go. Come on, somebody. Now, we, now we're having church. Transformers, robots in disguise, right? You didn't know that that was in there. You didn't know that there was potential in within that thing. You didn't know that it was just in a couple of turns of clicks. The, to the average person, it just looks like a car. But you know how to manipulate that thing, and all of a sudden, it's transformed into something totally wonderful and awesome and different. And God here, he says, he says, I want to, there, there's just some adjustments that you can make. In your thinking, and he says, I want to transform, I want to make you into something different. You're in disguise right now. You don't even understand what you're sitting on, what you're capable of. You don't even quite understand who you are, what you have, and what you can do in Christ Jesus. But if you'll exchange your thoughts for my thoughts, then there'll be a transformation in you that'll make you, you'll come out of disguise, and you'll know it, and everybody else will know it, that you've been totally transformed transformed things are just and what was great about transformers is, is you would take a bunch of these transformers and you would click them together oh. and now who do we have optimus prime you take these different transformers you put them together and now you have there's actually a, a structure right and the whole purpose of our church, right, it's not just to build a building. It's not just to have the, you know, to acquire a bunch of stuff. The whole purpose of our church is to get a bunch of transformers together. Click them together. They've learned, they, they've, they've been totally radically changed by exchanging God's thoughts for their thoughts. They've been transformed. And now as an army, we all click together and we have Optimus Prime. That's my whole goal, a vision statement of the church. What's that church like? Oh, we're building Optimus Prime. <laughs> Just tell them, say, oh, we're building Optimus Prime. That's what we're doing. They'll think you're crazy, but don't worry about it. Don't worry about that. That's what, we're, that's, 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 that's what we want. How do we do that? God says, how am I going to do that? He says, it's going to start with, with your thinking. And we think it starts with our actions, right? I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't hang out with those that do. Right? We think... If we, can, if we can externally get it right, and God says, listen, uh, before I change the outside, we're going to have to change the way, the way that you think. Because he says, he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. 
My ways are higher than your ways. As the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts different than your thoughts. In other words, God says, we aren't even on the same, in the same galaxy. I, my thoughts are so much higher and beyond your little stinking thinking. It would blow your mind if you could just have a glimpse into my possibilities and my capabilities in you. He, he, just, he says, I want to, it's totally a rattle, but he says, you'll have to change. How do you change that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. The first thing he says, you remember, he's always telling everybody to come up higher. He said, Moses, come up higher. Moses, get up there. And uh, he, he would get in the presence of God and exchange his thoughts for God's thoughts. And he would come down glowing. Isn't that delicious? <laughs> just, he just come up higher. And there was something happening on that mountain that he came down and he would glow. Can you imagine being married to somebody that glowed? Right? He comes down and Sarah, and he, he's literally glowing. Jesus would go up and would be totally transfigured. Why? He's always, what, what are they doing? Why are they getting up higher? Because once you get up to a different elevation in God, you just see things different. And you start thinking different. That's why church and during praise and worship is a, we come in here collectively, we hook, we hook together and we ascend the hill of the Lord and things just look different. Right? Possibilities. Things just think, my week looks, looks different now. Or it should. If it don't, you're in the wrong church. But things should get different when it, what, what, you, you get up higher. So I have a couple of blanks there. The first one that he says is, is uh, he, says, he says, don't think the way that the world thinks. If you want to write that in there, don't think the way the world thinks. First thing he says, he says, uh, the way that the world thinks is wrong. Because the world is, is pursuing certain things and its, its affections are one way. And God says, I don't even think like them. I don't even think like you. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. The second thing I want you to notice is your responsibility. You have to change your thoughts. I can't do it. I can't pray it away. People, lots of times they want me to, to pray their bad thoughts away. Right? Or cast their bad thoughts out of them. No, really, you'll see all throughout the, the rest of today's message, the responsibility is on you to control your thoughts. You know, they say, you know, thoughts, a lot, uh, you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. Right? You can't keep, th you can't keep birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest inside your hair. And we're going to look at how, 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 do, how do we deal with that. Well, the first thing is, is you have to take responsibility for it. He says, don't conform to the behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by you changing the way that you think. So I want to take the, uh, uh, the rest of our time here and just talk about, well, how do we do that? If God wants to change me and he wants to start in my mind and I have a part to play in it, what's my part? In a, the, the next verse there, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he says, he says, you have to put off the old man through the renewing of your mind. And he says, you have to put on the new man. We'll read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. He says, you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which go, grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of what? Your mind. In other words, a lot of times we think I'm struggling with this hang-up in my life. And, 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 and 
you know, I'm just going to will myself into being a better person. He says, no, there's a spirit of your mind about you. And he says, you have to really change the way you think, change your mind. How's he say today? He says, well, you have to put off the old and you have to put on the new. Well, well how do you do that? Well, if I was going to give one of you a shirt and I just said, here, Paul, put this shirt on. Here, Paul, put this shirt on. Catch it, Paul. There you go. For Paul, Paul's got options there. Paul is going to need to take off the old shirt, right? He's going to take off the old shirt. He's going to have to put the new shirt on. Or he could just be weird and put the shirt over the top of the old shirt, right? But that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work, right? And lots of times that's what we want to do, right? Well, we, want to stay our, we want to stay the same person that we are, but we want to just add some Jesus with it. And he says, well, really, really, that's not, that's not going to work. He says, you're going to have to take the old off. My wife has a really unusual way of taking a, a, a T-shirt off. Y'all don't tell her I said this. But it's, it's so strange. It's the weirdest thing I'd ever seen. And, and, but, but she'll grab this sleeve right here, and in just one motion, and maybe some of you other people, you strange people do this, I have to, like, work it over the belly, you know, and... But she'll just grab that sleeve and just in one movement, like she's a Jedi. It's like, we all know Superman, right? He, he changes in phone booths, but he learned it from her. I can tell you that. Because in one movement, she's just like, and she totally just puts that thing off and then puts another one on. The only reason I'm bringing that up is because a couple of days ago, I saw Ansley, and she was changing clothes, and she did the same thing, y'all. And I thought, you're a spawn. You, she's, she has spawned you because now, Ansley, she'll just grab that one sleeve, and she's just like, and she just totally, just in one movement, she is out of that old shirt, right? And then she puts her new one, on but the responsibility here or what i want you to see it's on you you have to put the you have to you have to control what's happening in here put the old off and put the new on and uh, how often do, do you and i need to do that well how often do you change uh, uh your your clothes hopefully every day if all goes well if, if everything goes, if you aren't on like a hunting trip or something, you know, a hunting trip, you just, just flip your underwear inside out. And, uh, Allie, that's what we do. Don't look at me like that. Uh, just flip it inside out. We don't shave or anything like that. That's the whole point of the trip. We're not out there to kill things. We're out there to grow things. We're out there to stink. We don't have to shave. We don't have to bathe and things like that. But, but the normal process for, for you is to change on a regular, on a daily basis. That's, that's, that's how you're at your best. The reason I bring this up is lots of times Christians, they come to church on Sunday and they, they change clothes on Sunday. But then they come stinking back into church the following Sunday because there was no transformation Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Their spiritual hygiene is such that there's no renewing or changing in the mind and they go year after year after year without ever getting any real victory in their life they, they, because they just they only change those clothes once a week. How many of y'all know if you ever go to the dentist? How many of y'all like the dentist? I don't. Gosh, I can't stand going to the dentist. But you go to that dentist and they give you a free toothbrush. 
They give you dental floss you're never going to use. <laughs> Just telling you, I know. But people that have really good teeth, three times a day they'll brush those teeth and floss, and they won't let certain things in their mouth. Right? They don't drink certain things. They, they're really good about the hygiene of their mouth. Have you ever seen anybody that's got... My, my wife's very good about... She makes my kids brush their teeth twice a day. And that's a good thing. Uh, I don't. Uh, you know, I'm a, I, I brush in the morning. And, uh, you know, I brush in the morning. We'll just leave it at that. But if you want to have really great hygiene in your mouth in your body in your life it takes repetition it takes over and over and over again and this morning i want to speak to you uh there's three real areas that christians struggle with they struggle with shame they struggle with temptation in their mind and they struggle with worry and they can't ever quite seem to whip these areas of their life. And my point in all of the hygiene is, is that it doesn't happen with just a prayer or, or just a one-time event. It happens over and over and over again. You're transformed into a new person by daily renewing your mind. Not just daily, but actually sometimes it'll take all day long. You'll have these thoughts that just keep coming to you and you keep having to deal with them. And if you deal with them your way, you'll be unsuccessful. But if you'll deal with them God's way, he'll transform you or turn you into a totally new person. But it can't just happen. You can't just come just once a week and expect you to have this really great spiritual hygiene no you have to do it every day so i want to look at these three areas and i want to talk about well how do we do it if god says that i need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind if god says he wants to transform me in to a brand new person uh, how how do i get there and there's three things i want to show you this morning first is you have to receive god's word you have to receive God's word. The second thing you have to do is you have to fix your thoughts. Receive God's word. Fix your thoughts. And then the third thing you have to do is you have to declare. Declare God's thoughts. Receive his thoughts. Find out what he has to say. And you can't just find out. You actually have to take it for yourself. You have to receive it and really... Uh, let it be yours. And I'll clarify this here in just a second. And, and you receive what God thinks about any particular subject, and then you fix your thoughts on His thoughts about that subject, and then you declare, you speak that over your life. The, the first, we'll just look at down at the bottom of your paper there, it says shame. 82% of all mental health that they've, they've, they now that they've narrowed it down, they say that it, the root of it is in shame. So whether you have fear, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, confusion, that if they were to sit down with you for a period of time, that over a period of time, they would, 82% of the time, they would come back to and they would, they would say that shame is the root 
of 82% of mental health, people are ashamed. And because of that shame, they do things that they shouldn't do to themselves or to their body. They get addicted to things that they shouldn't be addicted to that God never intended them. That, that They respond in relationships the wrong way because somewhere they can trace it back to this area of shame. And if you're here this, this morning and you struggle, you think, I'm not good enough. I'm not capable of it. Uh, nobody loves me or I've done too much. I've gone too far. I've, I've did, did too many sins. God's mad at me. The devil, he tries to shame you or condemn you into never reaching your full potential. The devil, he deals in temptation and condemnation, right? He tempts you to do things and then When you do it, he condemns you about it. Or if you don't do it, he condemns you for thinking it. How many of y'all been there? He tempts you to do something and you don't even do it, but then he'll condemn you because you thought about doing it. Well, that's a horrible system. That's not right. But that's what he does. And the, the God is the opposite. God, he, he brings inspiration and edification. Or in other words, you get in God's presence and he builds. Right, He transforms. God builds you. God inspires you. You get in his presence, that's, that's his mode of change. The devil, he tries to manipulate you. He tries to condemn you. He tries to tempt you, and that's the, way he, that's the way he operates. And he uses shame to do it. So you have to find some, if this is something that you struggle with, if you have a hard time feeling like you measure up. You, know, you just feel like, I just don't measure up. I'm, I'm going to stay single forever. I'm going to stay this, or I'm never going to reach this, or I'm never going to be able to do that. And he'll shame you into thinking that way. So you have to find God's thoughts on the subject. Well, what does God say about things like that? Well, there's, there's lots of scriptures. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God has before ordained that you should walk in them. What's that mean? That means just that God says, You're my workmanship. I created you in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that, that his thoughts towards you are good thoughts. Thoughts to prosper you and not to harm you. Thoughts to give you a hope and an end. God thinks about you more than the sands of the sea. The Bible says that God, that he adopted you. How many of y'all that you don't adopt things you don't like? Typically you don't. You ever been to a dog shelter? Right? No. You pick the one that you want. And God adopted you. Right, But the devil, he wants to try and shame you or condemn you or have you feeling like, well, I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. Uh, I, I'm, I don't qualify. But you do qualify. So you have to find out God's thoughts like those scriptures and you have to absorb them into yourself. Take them in. And don't let anything shake you off of them. And then you have to fix your mind on those thoughts. And every other thought that comes that's opposite of that, you have to deal with that. And then the last thing is you have to declare it. So, so that shame, let's look at worry. How many of y'all know any worriers? Worry is a great Christian sin. Right? I mean, we justify worry. You know, it's like, well, I don't, I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I don't go to the club, and I don't do that. You know, we, 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 we feel like if we don't do lots of these other things, and yet uh, lots of times uh, we, we allow worry to come in. How many of y'all know anybody that worries? Isn't worry sneaky? Because whenever I was thinking about this, I was telling the Lord how much I don't worry. 
I was telling the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, uh, I'm pretty laid back. I don't worry about nothing. Worry is not my problem. I don't have, I don't have, I don't worry about anything. I, I don't worry. But worry is sneaky. You may not worry about a lot of things, but there's usually an area or two that each one of us uh, allow worry to come in. The Lord told me, he says, he says, you worry about what, what people think. I do not. Have you ever told the Lord, I do not? I do not. That is falsified information. I don't worry about, he says, yeah, you may not worry about uh, your finances or you may not worry about your kids because you understand the blood of Jesus or angels, you may not worry about this. But he says, you know, it's easy. You can worry about people's approval. Will they like this? Am I doing this right? Or what are they going to think? If I don't go to the birthday party, will they get mad or whatever? And Lord just says, if you're always worrying about people's approval, he says, you'll follow people and not follow me and, and it'll stump or it'll hinder what you you're supposed to do so in my own heart i gotta say well maybe i do worry so you can worry in one area and not another area. some people they worry about their kids they don't worry about a lot i don't worry about finances got got food stuff like that but i'm always worried about my kids i'm always worried i'm always worried i'm always worried 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 worried, worried. And, and those strongholds come in your mind and can keep you well let's see what the bible says about worry philippians chapter 4 verse 8 it says be anxious for nothing don't worry about anything. Everybody say anything. How much is anything? Well, it's anything. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, it says, Don't worry about anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. Jesus said it like this about worry. I mean, I think he's pretty smart. Matthew chapter 6 verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Well, that's kind of broad. He says, anything in your life, he says, don't worry about it. He says, don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what you'll put on. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are not any of you more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? In other words, the devil wants to trick you or convince you into all of your worrying, but is going to do any good. How many of y'all know worrying doesn't do any good? It's just, you just worry and it doesn't do any good. It's just, it's just pointless, never-ending battle in your mind of worry. He says, so why do you worry? I don't know. I never thought about it. Why do I worry? Jesus said here not to worry. He says, consider the lilies of the field. They grow. They neither toil or spin. And yet I say that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Everybody say amen to that. O ye of little faith, therefore do not worry. Don't say what shall we eat or what shall we bring, uh, drink or what shall we wear. After all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow uh, will, will worry about its own things sufficient for the day of its own trouble. 
So if you're a worrier in here, I want you to know that you find out what God says about this subject and how much he cares about you. I mean, Jesus put it real clean right here, real, real, real plain. He says if he, if he clothes the, the, the lilies of the field, if he takes care of the birds, don't worry about any part of your life. So you have to receive God's word on that subject, the subject of shame, the subject of worry, or the subject of temptation. And these are areas that all of us, we wake up in the morning having to deal with these in some way. How many ever get tempted every day of your life? I mean, I get tempted every hour of your life. There's like this battle going on in your mind. Oh, God, and it can get so taxing. It's so frustrating, and it gets overwhelming. Well, I've got good news. Romans chapter 7, the apostle Paul, the, probably the second greatest person to ever walk on this planet. Right, He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And then he says in Romans chapter 7, I love this because this gives all of us hope here. He says, I love God's law with all my heart, verse 22. He says, but there's another power within me that's at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. I've never felt like that before. You're in great company. Because the second greatest person to ever walk on this planet, he says, in my mind, I want to serve Jesus, but I can't control my body. I have a, this war going on in my brain to punch them or not to punch them, to cuss or not to cuss, to eat or not to eat. I mean, I've been in the Golden Corral. Three fountains. Three fountains. They're not going to put one, Marlisa. They're going to put three fountains there to eat. When do I stop eating? Never, never stop. Unbutton the button. The war within the brain of temptation, and it goes, and it just never stops. Your eyes are always wanting to look at things they shouldn't look at. Ears always want to hear things. You're always wanting to, to operate out of anger, out of emotion. And there's this war. And the Apostle Paul, he says, he says I want to do right, but I can't seem to control this part of me. But then he gives the solution. He says in verse 25, he says, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ. Our Lord. What's he saying there? He says, before Jesus came to this planet, he says, everybody was trying to keep all of these rules. And he says, I was trying to keep all those rules. If you know anything about Paul, he had memorized the first five books of the Bible. He, he memorized there's over 600 commandments that he would adhere his life to. And he says, I was trying with everything in me to keep all of these rules. But he says, I just couldn't do it until God sent Jesus Christ. And he says, once Jesus Christ came, verse uh, 1 of chapter 8, he says, now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power that, of sin that leads to death. What's he saying? He said, there came a point whenever I realized Jesus didn't just die for me to go to heaven. He died so that I could be free in my mind. But he had to receive that, that revelation of who Jesus was the Lord of his thoughts. And then once he received them, then he had to fix his mind on them. Let's look at these uh, last few scriptures here. Number one says, receive God's thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 says, we take captive every 
thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, every thought that comes into your mind, you have to take it captive. How do you take it captive? Well, you have to arrest it, right? You have to put it on trial, it says right there. Do, are you obedient to Christ's thought? Because you're trying to tell me or have me think this way. But if the way that this trying to get you to think is not God's way, then you have to arrest that thought. What do you do? You throw it in jail, right? Put it, put it in the chokehold, right? Put it down on the pavement. Put some zip ties on it. And you say, I'm not going to let you have rain in my mind. And lots of people, that's the opposite of what they do. A thought comes and they just sit, they, you just see them sitting on the space just thinking. They're thinking the worst. The boat's going down. The boat's going down. We're all going to die. We're all going to die. I'll never pay those bills. We're all going to die. Oh, she's going to die. And, and, and instead of taking that thought captive and holding it up to the light of the gospel and all the scriptures that we just looked at, which was just a handful, instead of holding it up to that, we, we, we have dinner with that thought. Would you like some more? Would you like another helping? Would you, can, I, can I get you some more? And we wait on that thought and we serve that thought and then that thought becomes a stronghold and it dominates and controls our life and we never transform into what God wanted us to be. He says, you're in disguise and I'm wanting to transform you into something else. But because you won't take every thought captive and bring it under the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, your thoughts rule you. And if it's shame, it'll rule you. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. I can't do it. You know, that, those thoughts, if you don't capture them, bring them into uh, the light of the gospel, then, then, then they'll ruin your life. And you wind up depressed and oppressed. And there is a spirit about some of those things that need to be spell, uh, spoken to and, and dealt with. So I'm happy to pray for people along those lines because sometimes it is a spirit thing. But, you know, lots of times it's just people not, not doing good spiritual hygiene on their own thoughts. Right? They're just not brushing their brain. Right? They just haven't changed the clothes in a while and they're starting to get funky. And you miss church like three times this month and you've only taken a spiritual bath one time the past 31 days and you want to call me so that I can pray it away. I can't pray it away, baby. Take a bath. You're funky. Right? There's only some things that baths will do. And, and you have to do that. He says, you bring every thought captive. The, the Philippians chapter 4 verse 8, he says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says, you have to fix your thoughts on those. You have to set your mind on those. How many of you have ever had a, had a stone set in, in a setting? Some of you ladies, you go pick out a diamond. It's a great day, isn't it? Isn't that a great day, Miss Mars? You get to pick out a diamond. And then you bring it to a jeweler. He's going to set that stone. And then no matter what you do, just about, whatever situation, you can go row a boat. You can go bungee jumping. You can go skydiving. You can wash your car. But because that thing is set, that stone is set, then in any situation, it stays there. It holds 
firm. And God wants you to set or fix your mind on certain things so that whenever the storms of life come, the winds blow, the boat may be rocking, but because you've set and you've fixed your mind according to the word of God, nothing can shake you off of it. And he calls that peace. I mean, I like that. He calls that peace. That's what he calls that. He says, once you've set or you've fixed your mind in that place, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guide your heart, will guard your heart and your mind. Come on, there is a peace that passes all. What does that mean? To everybody else looking in at your life, they would think you need to be freaking out right now. You need to be going crazy. Right? You need to be pulling your hair out right now. To their understanding, that's the way they see it. But God says there's a peace that passes their understanding and your own understanding. Where does that peace come from? Apparently, it comes from him. How does it get there? He says, well, you have to receive what he says about a subject. You have to, after you've received it, anything that, that, that comes contrary to it, you have to get rid of it. And then the last one there is declare God's thoughts. The blanks before that, it says... Uh, your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. I mean, I comb your hair every day. I mean, I comb it a couple times. You're constantly going to be renewing your mind. Then you have to declare God's thoughts. If there's one thing I want you to take away, it's these last couple of blanks. And that is your mouth is more powerful than your mind. Your mouth is more powerful than your mind. Everybody say, my mouth is more powerful than my mind. James chapter 3, he says, your tongue is a tiny member of your body. But just like a, a, a bit in a horse's mouth, just like the rudder on a ship, the Bible says that your tongue exercises dominion over your whole body. In other words, your tongue is more powerful than your mind. So if you'll take God's word, you receive it. Don't let anything else shake you off of it. And then you declare God's word. Your, your mouth will actually override your mind. In other words, let's just get it real practical. If you're struggling with sin or if you're struggling with shame or temptation, whatever you're struggling with, once you get God's thoughts on it, then, then you speak and you say, I refuse to be bound to that. I refuse to let that emotion or that sin, I refuse to let that dominate my life. Even after maybe you, you sinned or something. I remember there were times uh, early in my Christian walk, I would sin, right? But, but I would speak, I would say, I refuse to allow this thing to cripple me the rest of my life. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy, though I have fallen, I shall arise. And I, I just talked to that thing. Said so this emotion, I'm not going to be crippled by worry. For my whole life, I'm not just going to worry about everything because it'll cripple me. I'm not going to be worried by shame and inferiority. I'm not going to be crippled by temptation and that I'm just bound up in my mind. No, I would speak and declare God's word and say, I'm not going to stay that way. I have freedom. There's freedom in Jesus. Jesus didn't just die on the cross for your body or your spirit. He wants to be Lord of your mind. But you have a part to play. These thoughts come, arrest them. Put them down. Lock them up. Bring every thought into 
the lordship of Jesus Christ and he'll transform you. Listen, some of you, you're just two, you're just three clicks away. Click, 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 click. Just a few clicks away from totally being transformed. But, but you have to make those moves. When these thoughts come, you have to deal with them. And if you'll deal with them, you'll be a different person this time next year. But you'll have to do it every day. Every day you have to deal with these things. And uh, God will help you. Let's pray together this morning. Thank you, Father God, for the entrance of your word, giving light and understanding. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you freed us in our mind. That our minds have peace because of you, Lord Jesus. We refuse to worry about anything in our life. When worry comes in, we bring that thought down and we say, no, I refuse to worry. God will take care of me. We refuse to be bound to temptation. We refuse to be bound to shame. No, we are who you say we are. We have what you say we have. We can do what you say we can do. Our mouth is more powerful than our mind. If you're here, you need to be saved or born again this morning. Before I close, I would love to pray with you pray for you. Maybe you're here and you struggle with with inferiority or shame or uh, any mental hang-up and you say, you know what, I believe God's speaking to me and I want prayer but also I want to do my part and keep up with my thought life. And that's you this morning. You say, "I I need prayer. I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I would love to pray with you or pray for you. If that's you, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Yes, ma'am. Is there anybody else this morning? Yes, sir. Anybody else? And maybe you say, you know what? Jesus is my Lord, but but I, I struggle with worry. I struggle with temptation. I struggle with any area. And you say, I, I need deliverance. I want you to know that, that you could speak and I'll speak and declare that thing uh, to leave you in Jesus' name. But you'll have to maintain through your own thought life what God starts this morning. You say, I need help mentally. There's lots of you guys. Thank God for him. I believe he's, you know, I told you a couple weeks ago when we started this session uh, talking about our mind. This is a big deal in a lot of people's lives. And Jesus will help you and he'll give you the right information so that you don't have to be bound mentally in any area of your life.